Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Welcome back to the Gospel for Life. It's Phil Moran and myself, uh, Russ Herman, in the studio today. Unfortunately, Jonathan and Josh have abandoned us. Josh, this is two weeks in a row for him. I think he's gone again next week, so... I think officially we can uh, file for negligence in his part, um, abandonment, something like that. So we'll work on the charges and and bring that officially. Um, But this is his topic that we've been dealing with, really. This is the one that he had a passion for, and then he felt so strongly about it that he introduced it and then left. Well, he he really made it easy easy for us, Russ. Yeah. That, as I've said in previous shows, we can just we can just speak for him. Yes. And probably say it better. You know, not to take anything away from him no, at all. No. Yeah. And anything that isn't better, I mean then that is just Josh. The- exactly. <laughs> that I was just yeah, if if I really goof it up, I was just channeling Josh. Thank you. So we're dealing with Bannerman's view of of sometimes the state overreaching its authority. And specifically today, we want to deal with when the state unduly interferes with the church's obligation to worship. Now, I am a church, I belong to a church that subscribes to um, the Belgic Confession. Phil is not um, a church that subscribes to the Belgic. He comes from the Westminster Standards. So I do not believe, I'll let him correct me, I do not believe that his standards have anything that says anything quite like this. Um, So I'm going to quote the Belgic and let Phil um, engage. Um, And this is the article that says, that's talking about Article 28, that it's talking about the fact that we need to join a church. And then it says this, to observe this more effectively, this idea of being part of a church, it is the duty of all believers, according to the Word of God, to separate from those who do not belong to the church and to join this assembly wherever God has established it. So we're joining, we're separating from the, church, the world and joining the church. They should do so even though the rulers and edicts of princes were against it and death or physical punishment punishment might follow. Mm-hmm. So they're saying you're, you're part of a church, you engage yes. in the life of the church, regardless of what punishments, um, backlash, any type of danger that it might yes. cause you. Yes. So I don't think the Westminster has anything no, quite like that. Not quite not quite like that, but uh, boy, I, I really like that in the Belgic, uh, that it defines that as a duty. Uh, duty is a, is a concept that's <laughs> Very often lost in the modern world, and that we have that we have duties and obligations as Christians, and the, the Belgic states it very well that, that we have both a duty and an obligation to uh, to uh, affiliate ourselves with the local church and and to commit to that body. So, with that, Bannerman Belgic as a backdrop, how are we to think about all these restrictions that the state is placing 
on the church during COVID-19? Wow. Well, I'm glad the listeners have tuned in because we have the definitive answer yes, on this. Yes, we do. Yes, not. We, okay. <laughs> um, no, and this is obviously— No, when a, Jonathan and Josh get back, we will let them give the definitive answer. They will give answer. the definitive answer, yes. Well, you know, this is obviously a very, very timely issue and, and one over which— let's, let's state right up front that this is a, a matter over which Christians of good conscience can and will— disagree, um, but all around the country uh, there have been restrictions placed on worship uh, by the state uh, during the, the COVID-19 pandemic crisis. And uh, how are we to think about this? And quite honestly, we have not, as as a, a church in, in Idaho, had to wrestle quite as much as some of our brothers and sisters across the United States that are in states that have more restrictions than have been placed upon us. Absolutely, and, and I'll say that I really, really appreciate this is about as political as I will ever get on, on this show, that I really do appreciate uh, uh, Idaho Governor Brad Little and, and what he, right at the beginning, in <coughs> his leadership of the restrictions uh, that the state of Idaho was putting on various you know businesses and organizations that, that uh, Governor Little, right up front, recognized the unique protections that are given to the church in the First Amendment of the Constitution, and also in our Idaho State Constitution, uh, that that the church has unique protections, constitutional protections that other or you know uh, the, the your, your local photography club does not have. No, nothing against photography clubs, but they're not mentioned in the First Amendment. You, you do realize that you just cost us one of our tens and tens of listeners. I know I, I, I offended the photographer yeah, out there. Yeah. Sorry. Oh boy. Okay, we'll talk about this off air. So, what what about these churches in California? So, John MacArthur's church has been making headlines uh, across the country. I, I just heard this morning of another church minister being fined ten thousand dollars because um, they engaged in singing. Um, in their congregation, which the state of California has said that they cannot do. Um, what, what are we to make of, of this? Should, should they be complying with the, the state's mandates in these areas, or is this an example of Bannerman where he's saying that they're unduly interfering with the church's obligation to worship? Um, how, how, where is that line? Yeah, and I don't think the line can be, you know, you, I don't think you can state a a clear line that's going to apply in every situation. Every situation is going to be different. Every every state has different laws and different restrictions. But I would particularly say um, one, one principle that I would want to lay down is uh, when, two questions, if, if the church is being restricted, are those restrictions um, equal and the same that would be applied to any other kind of gathering or organization? You know, if, or is the church being singled out for some kind of particular restriction? Now, before we get on to the situation, you mentioned the sit- situation with uh, Grace Community Church in Southern California. We'll, I think we'll come back to that in a minute. But first, uh, first of all, I will say that a, d- a decision and court ruling that I saw 
personally that I saw as particularly troubling is the one in Nevada. When, uh, when casinos are allowed to remain in business and you've got a big crowd in the casino, uh, but churches are then limited or, or restricted. Mm-hmm. And uh, as one of the Supreme Court justices said in a dissenting opinion, the, the Constitution uh, doesn't protect casinos, it protects religion. So that one was particularly troubling to me because there seemed to be a different standard. There was a different standard, uh, a, a greater restriction being placed on the church than, than on others. And, and I would say, first, first of all, that what kind of a restriction would we submit to as a church? The first question I would want to ask, okay, well, is this equal and the same as that which is being applied to others? And so in this case, um, this is where it seems as if that the state of Idaho navigated these, these waters quite well in the fact that when all of the initial things came out in March and they, in essence, banned everything, um, they weren't saying, well, certain things can go and certain things can't. They basically across the board said, well, naturally people need food and water and, and the staples of life, and so we're, we're going to shut down everything other than those things that are essential for just life, um, physical life. And then their next step was to say, and then we also believe that churches have a role that are protected. Um, therefore, as soon as we can open up, we're going to open up with churches being included as the exception. Right. Um, and I think what is disturbing about the Nevada ruling was that the church was not given the ex- exception clause that it was due constitutionally. Yes. Um, and that's the distinction we're making here. We're not talking about an undue favoritism that should be shown to the church. We're talking about the favoritism that the church constitutionally is entitled to. Yes. Um, and that's a different clarification, I, I, I believe. Yeah, well, absolutely, Russ. And uh, the, the cynical side of me would say my observation about Nevada, the, the cynical side of me says, well, the church churches don't provide a lot of revenue. In fact, they don't provide any revenue to the state of Nevada, but the casinos do. Mm-hmm. A huge amount of revenue. And uh, in, in fact, that's the primary source of revenue for the this state of Nevada. And so that was not going to be cut off. So we really have a question before us of – how much can the state demand of a church? How much can they ask? I mean, how much are they going to ask of the church? And I think in this situation, really what should be happening is the government can make demands of almost every entity in society, including us as individuals, but they're asking things of the church and of those that have religious convictions. Mm-hmm. And, I know I've heard some people say, well, that just makes us look arrogant. I, I, I don't say any of that in arrogance. I don't, I don't say that in, from a sense of entitlement. I think our original founders, when they wrote the First Amendment, understood that part of the historic idea in the West is, and this goes back 
really quite early, Calvin for sure, would write that the role of the state is at least in part to foster religious freedom. Yes. And their part of their role is to protect religious freedom and worship. Yes. Um, and we're a product. The United States was a product of that Western thought, um, deeply impe- embedded in Western thought, mm-hmm. um, put into British law and carried over into our own. Yes. Um, and we didn't have to develop as a nation that way, but we did. And so constitutionally, the government's there to protect religious freedom, expression, liberty, um, and therefore the state has to deal differently with the, 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 with the church or other religious institutions because they've made a commitment to do so, constitutional yes. commitment yes. to do so. Yes. And I will say, um, let's, let's talk specifically about the um, situation with Pastor John MacArthur and Grace Community Church in Southern California that— and I don't know if all of our listeners are familiar with that, but big, big Reformed church in Southern California. Um, and that I, I didn't see in that a whiff of arrogance or even defiance. It was simply a calm saying, we're going to worship God. And if you have an opportunity, I would go back and listen to the sermon that he preached on the first Sunday that they opened up. Mm-hmm. Um he really doesn't get to the the heart of the issue until the end, but the groundwork that he lays at the first two thirds of the sermon is wonderful exposition on the church, um, and we would commend that to you. We're out of time, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Yep, bye bye. 